BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. All right, uh, welcome back to episode three. Uh, I am your Underqualified host, Jesse Dollimore. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> and that is the lovely Brittany Page. Hello, round three. Round three. Are we going to every episode? Yeah, we're going to count it out. Ep- episode 54, round, round 54. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that way people know what's going on. You're right. We're actually having a really good time. This is episode three, and uh, we're having a really good response to the show. We've made some strides. Uh, we are now listed on iTunes. Yay! Which would make us about as official as it gets, I guess, that we're approved by Apple. We are, uh, we are now in the cog. Um, there is another podcast network, radio network, uh, that has an app and different features called Stitcher. We are now, if you are a Stitcher user, we are listed on Stitcher. You can just search Dollamore or the entire title of the show, I doubt it. Soon we will have a Facebook page. Not that that has to get approved, but we just have to get off our dumpy asses and make it happen. And by we have to, I mean... I have to. Brittany is going to do that. So One great new feature of the show that I want everybody to take care of or take uh, note of is the fact that we now have a phone number. We now have means by which you can communicate with the show. The number is 657 657- 464-7609. I wish it spelled something funny, but it doesn't. So once again, the number is 657-464-7609. If you have a comment on the show, if you have a rant, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, uh, give it a call. I, As a matter of information, 
uh, legal information, I want to let you know that if you leave a voicemail, you are giving consent to your voice being used on the show. Any any information you leave on there, it probably will end up on the show. It's like your Miranda rights. I'm just you have the right to remain silent. You have the right not to call the show. You have a right to not say anything, and if you do, it's going to be used in a court of law. You've been warned. Yeah. As always, we have our Twitter accounts. At Brittany E. Page. At Brittany E. Page and uh, at Dollamore, D-O-L-L-E-M-O-R-E. We have our Twitter. Actually, I like, tw- I like. I mean, I love social media. I'm a social media whore, but I really like Twitter. I think that it's uh, obviously everything's new on the Internet, but it's new and it's, it's fresh and it's, a, it's an awesome way to actually interact with well-known people. Brittany has had several. I've, I've actually had several. Uh, yeah, let's not, let's not exaggerate there, guy. I've had way more than you. It helps being hot. And way more notable people than you, so. Listen, that's a, that's a gender thing. That's a sex thing. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, just because most of the people you know don't know who Rich Eisen is. I don't even know who that is. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's a gender thing. Okay. It, Rich Eisen, uh, he was in some fucking Holiday Inn Express commercials or hometown buffet no it wasn't that but it was you would think it was probably that you would think it was that by the way his suit fit him but he it's a hotel commercial ramada or something and in the commercial he's got a suit on that looks like it's painted on the thing so fucking tight and i i tweeted him and made a comment almost to that same effect that nice fitting suit there eisen and he, Im- you could tell that he's trolling Twitter for comments about himself because he immediately tweeted me back. We're sitting at a sports bar, and I'm, ah, ah, I'm all <laughs> excited because Rich Eisen tweeted me back, and he tweets me back. It's called tailored, friend. <laughs> yeah, okay, guy, because I don't know anything about how suits are supposed to fit, and that one not fitting because you apparently are too fat for it. You were just trying to help him out. He didn't seem very happy with your advice. Well, I wasn't qu- I wasn't quite as shitty. I didn't call him a fat guy. I just said something about how the suit looked painted on. Just implied it. That's yeah. all. And he got all butt hurt and actually he was it was a cordial response. But there's been others. There's actually it seems like there's there's been a whole bunch of them, but I can't really think of any. Yeah. I'm li- actually maybe I'm just living vicariously through Brittany, who gets a lot of action on Twitter, and I don't mean action like you get when you go on Craigslist. I mean, she's getting a lot of responses, a lot of retweets, a lot of uh, interaction. A lot of interaction. We'll just say that. I've gotten interactions from Dr. Drew, Adam Carolla, Pinjolette, all my favorite people, but my favorite. My absolute favorite probably has to be the interaction that I had with John Edward. John Edward, not to be confused with John Edwards. Both both pieces of shit, mind you. Yes, John Edward. I, oh, it's, a, it's hard to tell who is more, though. I was just going to say John Edward probably more, but I don't know. Yeah, probably. Okay, it's no, close. It's no, definitely, it's definitely John Edwards, the former vice presidential candidate, North Carolina uh, senator. Yeah. He's a ass clown for sure. Definitely a terrible person. But John Edward is a charlatan psychic who used to have a popular show um, on Before Oprah back in the day. Crossing over with John Edward. 
crossing over and he claims to be in communication with the dead spirits all that so one day I decided to get on Twitter I was just thinking about how I used to watch that show when I was younger and I decided to look him up on Twitter and this was in September of 2013 and he had 35,000 followers and I was disgusted by that so I tweeted almost 35,000 people follow John Edward on Twitter hashtag sickening hashtag charlatan And what, what were you getting at? I, don't, you're, you're, you're I know. I was kind of ambiguous, using ambiguous terms. And I said... I'm not sure he knew you weren't a fan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I asked him what he's waiting for, and I tweeted him a link to the James Randi challenge. Now, for those of you that don't know what this is, the challenge is a $1 million paranormal challenge, and it is offering $1 million to any individual that can prove their claims. So for John Edward, he claims he's a psychic. For If he were to go to James Randi Educational Foundation and participate in this challenge. I think it's jref.com or .org. It's randy.org. Oh, randy.org. Okay. Yes. So at this organization, they offer a $1 million prize to anyone who can show under proper un- – observing conditions evidence of any paranormal supernatural power or event they are not involved in the testing procedure other than helping to design the protocol and approving the conditions under which the test will take place so they're not involved well it's it's independent people they're not they're not related whatsoever to his organization yes so it can't be just it's legitimate people who are looking for answers in science and it's under controlled laboratory settings that can be replicated and duplicated. It's Yes, and there's a copy of the bank statement online for you to see that there is All currently right. – That's important. Yes, so there, it's not just they're claiming that there's $1 million. They actually sh- give a link to the bank statement that you can go look at. I'm looking at it right now. $1.4 million is currently sitting in that account waiting for John Edward. Goddamn, I wish I was psychic because I would take that money. <laughs> right? <laughs> So I wasn't getting a response from him yet, and I was kind of a little upset. So I tweeted again a screenshot of a reply he had sent to someone, and I said, this this says it all, charlatan. And the copy of the conversation was a woman tweeted him and asked, how can I tell when pets that I've lost are around me? Just tragic, right? And he said back, by how they feel to you, you recognize them by energy. Definitive, empirical, scientific. That's that's disturbing. So he finally wrote me back, and I don't think it was a finally. I think it was it was pretty close. And he replied and said, and this is in reply to her question about the million dollars. His reply, oddly enough, didn't address the million dollars and why he doesn't need the million dollars. There's nothing about that. His reply is, "Good thing you're pretty." You're, you are. Good thing you're pretty. It will help with the closed-minded, free-thinking side. Wishing you happiness and luck. <laughs> what? First of all, what a prick. Obviously, Brittany's being antagonistic and, you know, not being super nice to him. But he's, oh, super glad you're pretty, huh? Because you're not, 
you're not smart. I mean, that's obviously what he's what he's getting at. Yeah, for sure. It's like we're not on a level playing field and close minded. I'm the one who's asking you to agree to this challenge that is a study that will prove your abilities. I'm the one who's wanting you to do it to prove me wrong. Who's close-minded? The person who wants you to prove them wrong? Who wants you to just prove your abilities? If you have them and you prove them, my mind's changed right there. It's like if, if I claim that I can fly and any sane person would say, no, you can't. And I'm like, yeah, well, fucking prove it. What? The onus is on me. The onus is on him to prove his supernatural ability. Yeah. Not on us. But the wonderful thing is, through the James Roundy Foundation, now there's a there's a there's an incentive. And he doesn't have to he doesn't have to use the money for himself to make himself more wealthy. He could donate it to charity. He could donate it to Wounded Warriors Foundation or the American Red Cross or a battered women's foundation. He could he could donate it to to those all those dead pets that he likes to talk to his fans about to an uh, SPCA organization. <laughs> what a wonderful thing that would be. Yeah. So in, in reply to his ridiculous tweet, I said, so how about that challenge of what are you afraid? I said one million dollars. Too easy to prove your abilities, right? You've got them. Free money. What's stopping you? Yeah, it's these people are. Well, the, the thing about it is, is it's it's very clear they've done. Re- I don't know if it's it's like legitimate scientific research, but a lot of people like James Randi have come forward and describe in detail. Randi did like a TED talk or something. You could look it up. Just read TED TED Randi Bread Rock. You can just look it up by James Randi and TED Talk on YouTube. But he, they talk about, I think it's called a cold reading that a lot of these mediums and psychics do. In fact, I, I tell you what, I'll just let James Randi explain it himself what exactly a, a, a cold reading is. Well, a cold reading is a technique, a specific technique, where you just throw out ideas and initials, things like, there, there's something red connected with this. It's a, like a right color. It might be a roof of some kind. And the letter M, or maybe a double letter R, I'm not sure. But there's also something about late at night. And I, I smell gasoline or turpentine, something like that. And electricity is flowing. And they go on and on like this, and they'll fill the tape with this sort of nonsense. So there's a an article on skeptic.com that talks about cold reading specifically because this is the number one technique that psychics use they've had to develop it and perfect it in order to fool everybody and from the number of people that follow john edward on twitter which is now fifty-eight thousand. i was gonna say i I don't want to give you credit but yeah that was all my doing (laughs) i got him a lot of attention so cold reading let's learn how to do it step number one Set the stage for an intimate, comfortable experience. Establish your psychic authority with props, such as important-looking charts or bookcases full of reference books. Now, wait a minute. What kind of reference books? Are there psychic reference books? Yeah, like, you know, the Necronomicon and witchcraft bullshit and... What's awesome about it is is they want to give themselves more of a reputable impression with charts and books. I, I wonder what other... They want to appear scientific. They want to appear like it's legitimate. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was getting at with, well, these books, there's obviously going to be no book that is 
containing empirical evidence for psychic abilities, so it, it's all just going to be a bunch of BS. But moving on to step number two for the cold reading, project a sympathetic personality. Put your client in a receptive, cooperative mood by explaining that a reading is a team effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's key because that's how they get you, a team effort. You have to give a little information in order for them to make the psychic reading happen. It, it's, it's hilarious that you know I've heard psychics on other people's radio shows and podcasts, and, and if, if the person who's getting the reading – having the reading done on them, if they're combative, then it's like, oh, I'm just – I'm not getting anything. You you have to be open-minded. Otherwise, this doesn't work. Yeah. That, you know what? That's really not how it works. If everyone watching a rocket launch is fucking negative about the rocket launch, the fucking rocket still launches. <laughs> yeah, that's – NASA doesn't, doesn't put out a press release prior to the space shuttle launching and saying, look, everybody in, a, in the world – we're going to need happy thoughts. Otherwise, all the science that goes into this, the physics, it's going to fail because we need a cooperative feeling. That's not how it fucking works. Exactly. What's step three? Step three, there are seven things people most want to talk about. Love, health, money, career, travel, education, and ambition. Stick to these themes by asking lots of questions and making plenty of statements from each category. This will also help you remember where you are in the reading. Now, if you think about psychic readings that you've heard, this is something that happens in all cold readings. They're referencing these most important topics. They are sticking to those themes, asking lots of questions to try to get in little tidbits of information. Well, it, sometimes it's not even tidbits of information. It's they'll be looking at you and they'll notice a, a, some minor physical response, whether it be a shift in your seat or you, you become more receptive or you perk up like you're interested. They're looking for also physical responses, not just verbal. I mean, obviously, a lot of people are like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll, they're going to give – let you know that you hit on something. But oftentimes it's even more subtle than that because, you know, psychics are, are very skilled people where it relates to human inter interaction. They're not just – there's not a lot of socially retarded psychics. Th these people are they're, – they're good at what they do. Yeah, they know intuition. They know how to read individuals. They would be killer on a car lot. They would be <laughs> wonderful car salesmen. Oh, that would be great if they would go into selling cars rather than <laughs> what they're doing. But number four, starting with the Barnum reading that offers something for everyone. So you know, P and this is also P.T. Barnum. You know, there's a sucker born every minute. He, Barnum and Bailey, I'm sure you're familiar with, with that name. That's who this is. Yeah, and just to give you a short example, there's, there's different paragraphs that you could use to state, and they're very ambiguous and give very general personality traits that could apply to anybody. One of them is, you are wise in the way of the world, a wisdom gained through hard experience rather than book learning. That, that's, that's every moron on Facebook who in the, the part of education writes, oh, school of hard knocks, it's that guy. He, that guy is going to identify so strongly with that statement. And if you put that in your education, you should take it out. Yeah, it's definitely. Definitely stop doing that. Because I'm not highly educated, but – and I don't want to get sidetracked here, but those people who do the hard knocks thing, they are typically the guy who – who really hasn't lived that hard a fucking life. So. Yes, for sure. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. 
Number five, after general statements, you can begin to home in on specifics that apply to most people by referencing certain things like jewelry from a deceased family member, toys, books, mementos from childhood, a box of old photographs, most not in albums, you know, more things that sound specific but still apply to anyone that you could be speaking to. Exactly. So number six, extract information from your client by disguising questions as statements. Does this sound right? So who might this refer to? Do you connect with this? Now, why would that be? All of those questions. Right. You hear that all the time. How might this be significant to you? Yes, exactly. Number seven, appeal to authority of ancient wisdom and mysterious secrets by peppering your reading with esoteric jargon. Right. Oh, it's mysterious and <laughs> it's ghostly. Because they know the kinds of people that are coming in for a psychic reading are going to be swayed by that. Well, people who are going to, you know, give up their hard-earned money to, to these people are, you know, it's like I always tell, I'm a dick about movies. And I'll go into a movie and there have been many times I will leave in the middle of the movie. And I've, I've had friends who have said, well, it's just because you, you didn't go in, you didn't want to like the movie. That's ridiculous. I don't go in paying $12 so I can shit on the movie and leave in the middle of it. I don't got, I don't got it like that. I go in because I want to believe that it's going to be a good movie. It's the same with this. These people go in because they believe that this person is going to be able to give them something mysterious and supernatural. Exactly. And – Eight, don't be shy about using a little scientific knowledge. Note they said a little because you can't use a lot. Because there isn't any. <laughs> yes, a little scientific knowledge from psychology or sociology to deduce your client's concerns. So you might, you know, you need to pepper in a couple of realistic things in order to sound real. Number nine, don't forget the obvious. Flatter your subjects. Tell them what they want to hear. Now, isn't isn't that something that comes across in every reading that you see? Well, it's when it's you hear these stories about, oh, and she told me in a past life I was Genghis Khan. <laughs> you, you never hear, oh yeah, well, she told me in a past life I I cleaned up puke off of a school bus floor. They don't they don't say that. Yeah. it's never a guy who uh, I had to art artificially inseminate sheep on a ranch. In, in blazing hot summer heat. That, yeah. It's never that. It's always, oh, you were a conqueror or a queen or a, or a steel magnate in another time. And how does that work when the vast majority of people would have been peasants, slaves? Apparently people who clean toilets, they don't have a second life or another life. Yeah. They, that's, it, that's it for you. Yeah. You've, you've reached the top of your game. Yeah. <laughs> it's spirit evolution. Yeah. It's what a terrible situation. So number 10, finally, number 10, we've reached the end of our journey and we're all going to be psychics. Have your excuses ready. Turn every outcome to your advantage. Now, when I read this one, I think most of Sylvia Brown, the late Sylvia Brown. Thank God she's dead. And that's a shitty thing to say. A lot of people would be, oh, what a horrible thing to say. She shouldn't wish death on anybody. I didn't wish death upon her, but the world is a better place without Sylvia Brown in it. Yeah, she definitely it, took advantage of people. If you don't remember who Sylvia Brown was, uh, she was the the haggard-voiced freak that used to appear on um, on Montel Williams' show, and you know 
she sounds like she smoked about six cartons of Marlboros a day yes. and w- would give readings to grieving parents whose kids had gone missing or kids had been killed early in life and they wanted answers from beyond the grave. Yes, she had perfected the art of the cold reading. And when I say perfected, I'm using that word loosely because she was often wrong. She also had interactions with James Randi, direct interactions yes. with James Randi, and um, it, she had accepted the James Randi challenge that we just talked about. Yes, exactly. And then... What happened with that? Yeah, that's, it's, it's kind of odd. Well, you know, we'll let, uh, we'll let uh, a clip from the Anderson Cooper show explain it. Do you hold out the possibility that someone could have psychic powers? Well, we've been offering at the James Randi Educational Foundation a $1 million prize now for many, many years. And Sylvia Brown agreed on international television that she would take the challenge. Then she announced immediately that she didn't know how to reach me. A psychic didn't know how to reach me? She can't use the telephone book? And then she said, after we told her how she could reach me so she wasn't inconvenienced, of course, she then said that I'm not a godly man, so she wouldn't have anything to do with me. Now, wouldn't she want to take that million dollars, which she could earn inside of 50 minutes or so? We figured that's how long it would take to do a definitive test. Uh, well, we'll see if she responds now. James Randi, appreciate it. Thanks very much. You know, she, this woman is a terrible human being. She, all you have to do is YouTube any clip of her on Montel Williams, and there are many times where she gets busted in the face, facing parents who've lost their children and telling them filthy lies. And a lot of people, I'm sure there's a lot of you out there who believe that psychic powers exist and may even think that she was a legitimate psychic. But she's a liar, and there's proof, video and audio proof, that she's a liar. For sure. In 2002, actually, Sylvia Brown told the parents of then-missing 11-year-old Sean Hornbeck on the Montel Williams show that the child was dead and was kidnapped by a dark-skinned man with dreadlocks. Racist. Racist. Hornbeck was actually found alive in 2007, and his accused kidnapper was Caucasian and short-haired. And, moreover, the kid was alive. <laughs> yes. And what was Sylvia Brown's excuse for this? She said, only God is right all the time. Now, she gave the exact same response when she was wrong about another more, uh, probably more notable uh, kidnap victim because this story was relatively recent, um, Amanda Berry. And you may remember Amanda Berry from the popular audio call. Amanda Berry, I've been kidnapped and I've been missing for 10 years and I'm, I'm here, I'm free now. So that's, that's either the playing of a 911 call in Cleveland where she lived, in Ohio, somewhere where she lived, or that's a call beyond the grave because Sylvia Brown claimed she was murdered. Yes, she told Amanda Berry's mom again on the Montel Williams show in 2004, she's not alive, honey. Your daughter's not the kind who wouldn't call. Yeah. You know, and this leads me, this is beyond the Sylvia Brown thing. This leads me to... um, to Montel Williams, I used to have a lot of respect for him. You know, he's a Navy veteran, was a, a decorated uh, Navy officer, and I used to have a lot of respect for him as a as a as a, a stalwart person. And 
there's really no way to look at him other than a piece of shit because he proffered her, he propped her up, he gave her lots and lots, lots of episodes, lots of airtime. So he magnified her celebrity by who knows, it's an immeasurable amount that he magnified her celebrity. And because of him, the world is a worse place. According to Sylvia Brown, she claimed that her accuracy rate was somewhere between 87 and 90 percent. And someone actually did an analysis of her predictions. 115 cases were reviewed with uh, newspaper sources comparing the newspaper to her predictions. And they found that her confirmable accuracy was actually 0%. (laughs) So he had this person on his show telling these distraught parents who are crying because their children have been kidnapped and they don't know where they are. They don't know what happened to them. And she's telling them these things. Amanda Berry's mom died before she was able to know that her daughter actually was alive. So it's terrible. Sad. I mean, it's tragic. And they're just these psychics are out there taking advantage of people. You know, it's not it's not just as simple as the psychic, the little psychic hut that you see on the side of the road or the neon sign in someone's window that says psychic. It's not. It's not just an innocent, oh, I'm going to go get my palm read and it's going to be a fun time. Or you're at, a, you know, you're at the county fair and they've got a tarot booth. These people are bilking millions of dollars from, from hardworking people who would just want to believe. It, it's criminal. It's, it's immoral. It's, it's unethical. It's terrible. Yeah, it's really disturbing. Speaking of disturbing, <laughs> um. This, she is going to end up being a, a regular feature on the show because of her, her nature. Um, human Pothole, Sarah Palin, is getting her, uh, a, I guess, a TV deal. Not really a TV deal, but um, she's going to be given kind of like Glenn Beck's internet network, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, she's launching her own digital video channel, tentatively called Rogue TV. Ugh. Grizzly Mom TV. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be great. Well, we don't watch Glenn Beck's trash. But that's just like a 24-hour feed of him crying about how much he hates Woodrow Wilson, I think. Yes. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So Rogue is expected to launch in April or May, and it would be one of the first of the digital channels offered by this company called Tap. Subscriptions are going to cost $10 per month. $10 a month. She's also going to be not under psychic power, but bilking Americans out of a $10, their hard-earned $10 a month. What, what bothers me is, not that she's getting a network, what, what bothers me moreover at a more base level is that she's popular enough, because it's, it's two, two dudes who I would venture to say, I don't know this, but I would venture to say are not pillars in the conservative community. It's John Klein, who was an executive at CNN, and uh, – Jeff Gaspin. Jeff Gaspin. I couldn't read my handwriting. You see my my professional and very modern method by which I uh, read my notes? Yeah, I use a pen and paper. Um, he was an executive at NBC, so these guys clearly aren't tea party guys. The reason they're, they're businessmen, and, and the reason they're going to give her a show is because she is wildly popular. Palin has over 4 million Facebook fans. I, I want to... I don't, there's no way to stress that enough. Four million Facebook fans. And we thought the 58,000 John Edward Twitter followers were bad. Yeah, oh my God. This is frightening. Yeah, frightening. 
these people can vote. Well, not all of them because some of them are obviously kids, but these people are all potential voters. Eventual. She has a million Twitter followers, a million Twitter followers. So let's listen. I want to explain who Sarah Palin is. Sarah Palin, other than being the vice presidential nominee by John McCain, God, what a fucking mistake that was. She cost him the presidency as far as I'm concerned. So we have the, the clown in office that we have right now in, uh, in Barack Obama because of the fact that he picked her. She quit halfway through her duties, her duties, her sworn solemn duties as governor of Alaska. She quit halfway through to chase the buck, to chase a dollar. Because had she waited and stayed for the other two years – she wouldn't have garnered her popularity and been able to sign multi-million book deals. And so she's, she's a terrible person. In addition to that, she is not very smart. She, she's a moron. And there are, I mean, numerous Sarah Palin quotes and videos that you could watch of her being a complete idiot. In fact, what was the Google search that, that we did today? Oh, my God. Well, oh. Stupid Sarah Palin quotes. That's it. Stupid – oh, no, that's right. It was stupid. S-A. I didn't even type Sarah. It was stupid. S-A. And the very first choice was stupid Sarah Palin quotes. Well, why wouldn't it be? Yeah, of course. That's the, that's the, most, the most searched criteria when someone st- types in stupid space S-A. But recently she was in uh, Massachusetts, and she was asked by a reporter uh, a question – and she gave her version of Paul Revere. And I'm going to play it for you. He who warned uh, the, the British that they weren't going to be taking away our arms uh, by ringing those bells and, and um, making sure as he's riding his horse through town to send those warning shots and bells that uh, we were going to be secure and we were going to be free. First of all, uh, where do I start? The Br- First of all, the, the British didn't need to be warned about anything. Well, let's start with what she's wrong about. The, he didn't warn the British of anything. He warned the colonists that the British were coming. Remember, one if by night, two if by, by land, two if by sea, the, the lanterns and the whole system they had worked out, and he rode through the town and the villages. The British are coming, the British are coming. And even we've learned even through – you know, there's a lot of fairy tale shit that kids get caught, taught in elementary school to, about history. It's not quite what happened. However, the base thing is he, he warned everyone. He was the point man. The British are coming. To discuss her point about him warning the British of, oh, that there's armed citizens. And we're she's obviously turning this into a Second Amendment thing, which I fully support. I'm not shitting on the Second Amendment. I'm not sure if, listen, if someone wants to own a goddamn bazooka, own a bazooka because it, it, it's a constitutional right. We're not going to get into that today. But she's trying to make it a constitu- or a, a Second Amendment issue. Secondly, Britain was the most fearsome military on the planet of the day. They weren't worried about some farmers with muskets and pitchforks. They had the most powerful navy of the day. They had tens of thousands of troops, some unregulated, unorganized militia they weren't worried about. So she didn't need to warn them of anything. Riding his horse through town. (laughs) The other thing is, 
is she is she practices what I like to call verbal diarrhea. It's it's puke. Now wait a minute, what's that? Verbal diarrhea. It's I've heard her I've heard it explained as as verbal salad that she just throws out all these terms one after the other after the other after the other of liberty and using all these buzzwords and to make people feel good about about America. She, she, this woman has clearly a either a misunderstanding of our country or she's trying to twist the facts twist the facts to agree or align more with her ethos. So I don't know which it is. I'd like to think that she's just dumb. That's probably what it is. Um, but probably, yeah, you know, what are you going to do? She obviously has some smarts to be in the position that she's in and to have gotten where she is currently in life and to be such a voice for the Republican party. She's definitely popular and it's scary. I think the Republican party has lost its soul. It's no longer the party of Reagan. And a lot of people will, they shit on that because a lot of people prop Reagan up as, um, like the the, the 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 prime example of what a Republican should be, and I I, I really believe he he was, he wasn't this far right wing crazy nutball. He wasn't that. He he brought forward immigration reform in the eighties and actually g- gave amnesty to the illegal aliens that were here at the time. That was a Ronald Reagan initiative that he did. A lot of people will shit on him now, but your modern day Republicans don't like to talk about that. Because that's the nasty part of the Ronald Reagan administration. They don't want to. They don't want to face. Yeah, people like Hannity or Palin, they don't want to talk about those things. She, she was recently at um, Liberty University at their convocation, and she was asked a question, and it's one. The question is shitty and um, a distortion of fact and terrible. But her answer is also, these people, something's got to be done. So I'm going to play the question, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, your book talks about how Christian values always lead to more freedom. And our theme verse here at Liberty is 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And, uh, you know, your book explained how embracing Christianity over secularism always leads to greater freedom. You talked about how the leaders of the abolitionist movement against slavery were evangelical Christians, starting with William Wilberforce in England in 1787, and then with uh, Charles Finney and other abolitionists in this country in the 1800s. I think your book said that that group of, of preachers that led the, the uh, attack on slavery, nowadays they'd be called the religious right. Well, first of all, um, he's asserting that Christians led the charge to get rid of slavery, which is true. And, but what he's ignoring is the fact that Christians were the ones holding the slaves because everybody in the goddamn country at the time was a fucking Christian. We were all Christians. There was no other. Jews probably made up one hundredth of one percent of the population of the United States. So other than slaves, and many of them became Christians too, just based on force, you ha- we're g- you're going to be converted or we're going to whip the shit out of you. Everyone was Christian. So for him to, oh, it was, they would have been the religious right. Well, you know who else would have been the religious right? Slave owners. They would have been the religious right too. And they would have been so religiously right or correct 
that they have biblical backing for what they believe relative to slavery. So it's disturbing. And they used that biblical backing to promote slavery. So So Sarah Palin, in all of her intellectual glory, goes on to answer the question. Well, you know, the lamestream media wants to rewrite history. They don't want you to know that our founders, and then as the years went on, those who fought slavery and, and wanted equal opportunity and, and rights for all, these wouldn't be considered the part. They'd be considered the moral majority. That's right. And um, they today, through these revisionists, are kind of ignored. But no, our founders, absolutely, they were godly men, and they understood the blessings of liberty, and that's what they fought for. And that's what they fought for. So let's talk about the godly men uh, who were our founding fathers. And make no mistake, I love America. This is the greatest country on the planet presently and the greatest country that has ever existed. It's a wonderful place of opportunity and liberty and freedom and the rule of law reigns supreme here. Is it perfect? No, it's not. But that's okay because it's the best that there is. Our founding fathers who, it, I think it goes unsaid, were wonderful human beings. They were, they were great men. They, they fought back against the oppression of Great Britain, and they risked their lives and their fortunes to create what we have today, you know, a couple hundred years later. But let's talk about them, these godly men. George Washington owned hundreds of slaves. Thomas Jefferson, hundreds of slaves. James Madison, James Monroe, they all own slaves. I could talk about one of our founding fathers who didn't own slaves. Hmm. The only atheist who might be considered a founding father, Thomas Paine. I don't know that he was an atheist, but he was definitely not a theist. He didn't own any slaves. And That's weird. What's hmm. that mean? I don't, know that uh -oh. I don't know that it really means anything other than these other great, wonderful Christian, well, and Thomas Jefferson wasn't really a Christian either, but our founding fathers, they did own slaves. So for her to, to posture this argument like, like they were just these, she's ignoring, she's ignoring facts. She's doing what I talked about earlier. She's twisting reality and what really happened to mold it and fit it into her own worldview or what she would want the worldview to be. Yes, by stating the moral majority, which is something... Moral majority. The phrase that they still use today... Started by Jerry Falwell, the gay-hating piece of shit. He's a ter he was a terrible, terrible human being. Very much so. And the world is better without him. Another person. We're talking about all these people that have died that the world is better off without. Now, it's, it might sound like a hateful thing, but I would... I, listen... If you disagree, 657-464-7609. Nice Call plug. in. <laughs> I'm going to plug the number. Le leave a voicemail. Leave a voicemail. We'll get you on the show. And I've already – I've got it now where I can Skype someone in and we can have a live interview. Well, live recording of an interview. And uh, I'll give someone equal time. I'll give someone some airtime if they have a, a disagreement about anything that I've said. Or I've said. Or Britain's said. 
And, you know, further, and we're going to wrap the show up here, but further, if you know a psychic and if you're a believer in psychics, uh, sorry about that, but if you are, we have a vehicle for you to split the pot with someone. If you know a psychic and they're not aware of the challenge, bring them in. Bring them in to, to, to James Randi, and you could have $500,000, depending on the deal you work out. Uh, be careful, because psych psychics, like we said, they're, they're good salesmen. They'll probably work you over the coals. But they, you have a vehicle now to help a friend of yours make a million dollars, and it's not playing the lottery. If they're a true psychic, if they have real, true, verifiable ability that can be measured and replicated and duplicated in a laboratory setting, bring them in and let them win a million bucks. We should get some of the cut, too, since we're giving you the idea to yeah. do that. Goddamn. Just because I don't believe. Hey, listen, someone wins the million dollars, my entire paradigm is going to shift related to psychics. My entire worldview will shift. I'm going to go to them regularly. After the million dollars. Yeah, yeah and yeah. only the one that's able to prove their ability. <laughs> right. <laughs> what I'd like to see is a psychic conjure Sylvia Brown and see if she has even new knowledge. Oh, yeah. From the grave. That I would be you. great. Yeah. I bet you, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, get out, get on us, get on us, get, get at us on Twitter. Uh, get on us or at us. Uh, don't get on it. Don't get on me. That's creepy. You want somebody to get on you? One of our listeners? Gee. Both construed sexually, in my <laughs> in my opinion. Getting at it, getting on it, you know. Getting with it? Yeah. Anything can any, be construed in that way if you think about it. Any preposition. Yes. So get in contact with us on Twitter. <laughs> uh, soon to be Facebook. Again, the number is 657-464-7609. We're, we're looking forward to hearing with you. We want to we wanna interact with you on the show. Um, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore. This is I Doubt It.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.